0: Welcome to Paper Money, the podcast covering the business side of the game industry. I'm Ben Clark. And I'm Rhett Kipp. Today is August 7th, 2012. And Rhett, we are in the rain shadow of Gen Con. Uh, there, very there, much is, so. there is nothing going on right now.
1: There, there is just a big, big blank waiting for next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, uh, it's, it would it be, uh, if we are during wartime, this would be the news blackout.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, but, uh, you know, the news blackout lasts a little longer than Gen Con, which is <laughs> a news t- flood.
0: Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because we were talking about this in our last show and I thought, oh no, there'll be something, you know, we'll get a leak, you know, we'll get a preview on the Star Wars stuff or whatever. There's, there's really, there's been like nothing.
1: No, even Fantasy Flight Site, you know, talking about Star Wars, um, even Fantasy Flight Site, is pretty quiet about the product coming over or anything else. There's a number of products that, you know, are upcoming releases showing as on the way in, but uh the Star Wars one is kind of in the in a shadow. There doesn't seem to be any info going on. Yeah, well I thought
0: it was I thought it was interesting. I was at the FFG site and they have a special Gen Con section and I thought, oh, this is gonna be cool. And I go to the Gen Con section and really it's a rehash of other parts of the website. Yeah. You know, so you've got the rules for Netrunner and there was a boatload of extra Netrunner content, but there wasn't a ton of Gen Con specific stuff. And maybe it just depends on when the air freight arrives. I don't know. I used to like to assume that FFG is a little little above that or not, but let's move into the news a little bit, rather than just bemoaning the fact that frankly we postponed the show almost a week waiting for news to happen that never happened anyway. So let's report on our amazing news. Are you ready? I'm already okay. This is yes. Oh, uh, um. all right. One, there was a flood of articles. I guess there's a press preview for Mech Warrior Tactics, uh, which is a browser-based game based on BattleTech, and that's coming out later this year. And there was a there was a, like literally a, a mini flood of articles on this on PC World and some other places, and it looks like. BattleTech played in a web browser. I mean there's hexes, there's everything. If uh, if you're like me and you still have your old copy of Mech Commander 2, this this could be the second coming.
1: I'm really excited about this. Yeah, this is this is really just a straight up electronic version of the board game.
0: Yeah, and now we have been talking for really the last couple of years about board games electronically and we've been focusing on the iPad, but the browser-based game that's 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 like a new That's a new space, right? The browser-based games have traditionally been casual stuff, or say Minecraft. I think you can play in a browser, and there's a couple of uh, third-rate MMOs. Uh, But this is this is interesting. This is the this is the further this is the continuation of board games and role-playing games being mined for digital content in an era where you know it used to be right. We it was like a big deal when when like say Neverwinter Nights came out because. There weren't that many board game or RPGs being turned into computer games because the cost of producing a computer game was like a gazillion dollars. Right. And with the casual game market moving to where it has moved, uh, and with what well, the advent of, of digital downloads, the cost of producing a professional quality app has really dropped. And so now what we're seeing is we have people who desperately need content and the game industry has it. And I think this is another example of that, that move. Again, we're not cannibalizing tabletop sales, we're augmenting them with this, right? Yeah, this is, very this is, much this so. is a I new mean, outlet a, for your IP
1: Well, there's a lot of buzz from the people who play um, you know, I, I suspect that the answer to all of it is it's it's the opponent question um, can't find one now so I'll do this, but hey, drop me into a convention, put me into a game where there's a bunch of guys there me, you know, pull up my stuff and let's go at it it's, they're yeah. not abandoning one for the other
0: Correct. And I think that, like I said, it sound, it's nothing but positive reviews so far uh, from both the fans uh, present at these rollouts and from the press. So that's good to hear. Um, look forward to seeing this later in the year. Maybe we'll get a peek at it at Gen Con in the electronics area. I don't know.
1: I'm pretty much thinking that there will be.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> never mind. Don't want you to have to say anything you can't say, mister. I work, <laughs> work with Catalyst Game Labs in the marketing department. But okay, well, let's move on real quick. Um, to real quick. Really, we should just draw all this out because we've only got like one more story. Um, we're almost
1: done with the whole story. Yeah. Just that's go right. On.
0: Here, let me sellers of Catan Star Trek will be exclusive with Target. That's the story. That's the story. Now, the interesting thing is there was a big, uh, rant on this, uh, on Wired.com. and that wire.com reviews, you know, hobby market stuff. Uh, but they were talking about is this bad for the FLGS, the favorite local game store? And I, I got to go. No, this is this is an excellent example of broadening the market. I, that's that. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. I do not think this is the demise of the FLGS. I do not think that. I think there was at uh, least uh, Geek and Sundry is doing uh, approved stickers or something like that that will appear, and the products will appear in Target. I don't think this is killing the FLGS. I think this is getting people to buy games that they then go to the FLGS to find other stuff for.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're only selling the core. You know, it's not like, well, I really liked Catan. It's too bad there aren't five expansions out. Oh, there are? Right. <laughs> Where do I get those?
0: Or gosh, I really liked Catan. What other games could there possibly be in this type of, you know, adult board game genre?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it goes back to that. It's a... It's a very odd choice. Um, as a matter of fact, I suspect it probably puts more dents into other big box than it does into friendly locals.
0: You know, I think I, I I can yeah I agree with that. It's this is a space that Target's been trying to carve out since last Christmas, right? They're taking over the space, not taking over the space. Uh, they're trying to they they saw the success that Barnes and Noble has had with a game with a game section geared towards adults, and I think they're trying the same thing because Target's appeal has always been. Yes, we're a discount, but we're also upscale discount. And this is their, this is their upscale. This is grown up board games. Right. So anyways, I think it works. Quite frankly, uh, I love Star Trek. I love Catan. Probably not going to be buying Star Trek Catan. I think it's a, it's a cool idea. Um, uh, not my cup of tea. Uh, but all of you should run out and buy it so that Target does this again.
1: Yeah. Oddly enough, I hadn't seen it at my local. Um, I was just there the other day and it hadn't arrived on the shelf yet. So I don't. I'm not sure I did not see date any dates. Yeah, one. I
0: think it's a. It might be a. Or
1: perhaps it just sold out. And I hadn't seen it.
0: I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, so, well, they
1: had a lot of other neat stuff that was on. You know, well, you know what?
0: When we see Bob McCarty or or uh, or Larry from Mayfair next week at GenCon, I'll I'll be sure
1: to ask. I, him I suspect I might just do that.
0: That's right. You can. I. I. <laughs> and I. We know the the thing is though is that I know exactly <laughs> where to find them. So, uh, and it's not on the convention floor. No. No, it's not. Um, that's, you, know, you can find them there, but it's, you know, forget it. Anyways, moving on. Don't want to give anything. I don't want poor, poor Larry to go. Some guy came up to me at, at location X and pitched me a game, you know, uh, so no, we're not going to disclose where the guys from Mayfair hang out. But that said, uh, there's not a lot of news this week. Like I said, we isn't, oh, there is a bit of a news, you know, uh, I don't want to say blackout because it's not like there's, you know, officially a smothering blanket on everything. Uh, but let's talk real quick about what's going to happen next week. Okay. The uh Wizards has a big keynote on the intro uh of D five or the it's, I think it's the future of D&D. Wizards, you mean? What did I say?
1: You said WizKids.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, Kids definitely not uh involved in the future. <laughs> no, um, they're they're not actually to our knowledge involved in D&D fifth yeah. edition. Sorry about that. So um you know, I always get like to get good and liquored up before the podcast, and that's just slipped out right there.
1: It, well, you did a good job. Uh, thanks. Thank
0: you very much. Uh, the point is, is that the, the keynote, uh, is the future of D and D. Uh, I know Dave Miller from the Purple Pond is going to be there and he's going to probably cover this in better detail than I can. Suffice to say, um, you know, it's like one of those E.F. Hutton talks commercials from back in the olden days when we were young. Um, everybody's listening. Everybody yeah. wants to hear what this one's going to say. Uh, the other thing that's, that's, uh, that's going to hit at Gen Con is I think we're going to start to see, you don't we see the, I don't want to say the first Star Wars product, but, I think we got a couple of major ones landing. Am I, wrong uh, I
1: believe. Well, I wouldn't say they aren't the first Star it's, Wars. It's products. fantasy I mean, flight, it's in sleeves, yeah. but the actual game products. I suspect that that we would see something from Fantasy Flight. Fantasy a Flight in very combat yeah. game. Yeah. Fantasy um, Flight. I know the RPG is okay. not anywhere on the horizon okay. that I've heard. And then uh, maybe uh, a preview of the of the card game. Now they did again previewed them last year it's really to me on the ship to ship game a question of will it be on sale
0: correct well you know it's fantasy flight and fantasy flight has made a habit of if they have something coming out in the you know basically between now and christmas you'll be able to get a limited quantity of it at gen con absolutely they have always flown stuff in for that um, so I, I expect to see some interesting things on the Star Wars front from that, and the other thing, there's there's two other products that uh, one of which we've talked about that I think uh, look interesting from a business standpoint. One, D and D Dungeon Command, which right. uh, I, I've
1: actually seen it. Uh, I'm very unsure how I feel about the product. Um I think the product itself is interesting. I think the marketing concept is strange
0: i'm I'm gonna try and give it a play at Gen Con to see if there's any there there uh but i, I having played Castle Ravenloft, loved the components, loved a lot about it, and didn't like the game that much.
1: yeah well, uh, so the, the components are apparently all of these the d and d commander um, yeah. series is geared to transfer those figures um directly into those board games. Correct. So if you're looking for alternative to things to combat that's what they're geared around and and that's what I said with the marketing part I thought was a little odd there's a hero set there's a drow set, and then all the follow on are like monster sets they're you know orcs and goblins and mm-hmm. skeletons um very traditional ones but oddly enough there's no it's like no elf pack or human pack or Something along those lines to help bolster, so to speak, the good guys. Piffle. Just not choice, I thought. Piffle.
0: Elves are for children. <laughs> elves are for wussy boys. Yes, yes, yes. I, I you say, know, real, you, know, I say land, you know, do their elves as drow. So. I'm I, I'm saying these, this just just to see if I get hate mail. Um, no, the other, and the other game uh, that I was interested in uh, that I thought, struck me as interesting was pathfinder is doing a i believe it's a ccg certainly it's not a ccg per se it's a deck building game like dominion right and pathfinder has done very well peso has done very well managing that uh that brand i guess that type of game and so i want to see how they do moving out from that now it's a pathfinder themed game it's cooperative I, i i believe as well -hmm. Uh, But it is a deck building game. It's not their traditional role playing game. You know, this is part of Pathfinder, you know, uh, rule set. So it's, I think that, uh, strikes me as an interesting move on their point. I'd like to see how it goes. Um, but that said, after that, it's like a free for all.
1: Well, you know, there's obviously a few things that we know we're going to see. We're going to see Leviathans for sale at Gen Con for the first time. Um, i wasn't going to you know, bring it up i have brought it up on every show between quite, yeah, quite a lot it. of tupla, but no <laughs> one could purchase it and yes you know now they can we'll see how that goes
0: correct yeah like i said there should be some neat stuff uh leviathan price point working a little bit against it but the fact that you'll actually have it for sale i think people are going to see it and and i think that's going to be a i'm hoping it's a new tentpole for catalyst but we'll see
1: We'll see. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, but again, lots of stuff coming up, uh, next week at Gen Con, and right now I'll be there for it. Uh, but this week, yeah, not so much. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about in our commentary this week was, ta da, conventions, uh, in particular, Gen Con dates and origins dates going out to 2020. Now,
1: yeah. Yeah. Now, pretty, pretty scary. Well, you know, the nice thing about this is they are projected out into the distant future, which is kind of silly because we all know, uh, yeah, December 21st, there will be no future, but just in case That's the minds right. got it wrong.
0: Just in case the minds got it wrong. Uh, now, I'm going to go through some dates here for, I'm going to try and give rough dates. Uh, but uh, for 2012, right, it's August 16th to 19th for Gen Con. Then 2013, August 15th, to 18th. August 14th to 17th and 2014. This is the kicker. July 15th. Excuse me. In 2015, July 30th to August 2nd. Yeah. 2016, August 4th to 7th. Then we go back to mid August again for 2017. And then the next three years, 2018, 2019, and 2020, August 2nd to 5th, August 1st to 4th, July 30th to August 2nd for those, for those three years. And again, this is available on the Gen Con website, by the way. So if you just type in 2013 Gen Con dates, uh, you can get all this information. But I guess where I'm going with this is, how much of this is Gen Con saying we want to move this earlier in the year, and how much of this is Gen Con going, oops, there's a race at the Indianapolis
1: four hundred or the, well, the Indianapolis you know, the, the uh, Br- motor Brick speedway. 400 is the bane. Um I, I think if you let Gen Con have its choice, it would have that first week of August as its choice. Really? Yeah. They they would rather be at the very first part of August and therefore hit their clientele. I mean, the problem is you hit them around the 14th of August, you start to push the college students going back into school. Right. Um, you push the other students going back into school probably at the end of that week. It, you know, summer's kind of over. Uh, oddly enough, um, you know, when I was going to school as a kid, school started in September. Now it starts in about, mid, you know, mid to late August.
0: Well, true, but then you know you always had to, you know, you had to take turns bringing a bucket of coal to school too for the teacher to heat the one-room
1: schoolhouse. Well, it's true, and you know were... we did have to walk uphill both ways in yeah. the snow, even in August. No, so.
0: no, you know, you, you've got a very good point there. Is that, for instance, uh, I have good friends in a, in Atlanta, and school's already started, started yeah. last week, uh, and given that kind of situation. Now, again, these are grade schools and 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 secondary schools, high schools, uh, but. You know colleges are kind of the same way, and let's face it if you are interested in going and your school starts middle of august yeah, you're right it it is less of a thing. I guess where I'm going with this though is that let's compare this to origins now origins used to be roughly towards the end of July
1: well no fourth of july fourth of, of july fourth of
0: July to the or the second or third week of July, okay um I remember they had a, they had one. They had one that was like in the July 20th sometime. That was just in the last decade. Uh, that said, Origins 2013, June 12th to 16th, 2014, June 11th to 15th, right? So again, mid-June, 2015, June 3rd to 7th. Uh, and they don't have any more dates after that. No, Origins bumped it up really early, right? I think, uh, I don't know if it was it this year that they announced the this dates. This year
1: they were in May. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And people really kvetched. All right. There was a lot of people complaining about that because it was too early because exactly what you say, it ran into the, it ran into the school year. Right. And so they've tried to correct that. They've moved it back out to the middle of June. I, I think middle of June, beginning of August works, uh, for most everyone. Um, I think gen, I think Gen Con is, I don't know if it's the college thing or if they want more spacing for the summer selling season.
1: Well, I think it, I I, I think all of those things are, in the, in the equation. I mean, I don't think Gen Con wants to be the end of July, um, but it certainly would rather be the beginning of August than the middle of August. Yeah. Or as late as it is this year, you know, um, the next two years where it's running into almost the third week of August.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that, that, you know, that that's going to be uh, a little late, but I July 30th. Wow. That's just, I'm not used to thinking about it. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I, I, well, I, you know, we've talked manufacturers, about it. Before. I'm sure
1: that's just going to be a thrill that, that you know, that cannot be explained to, uh, oh, I'm sure lose an extra couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> to exactly. Try to
0: get product in. No, I mean, if you think about it, uh, let's assume really with China, you're talking four months. Right. Uh, so when you give, you know, you're going to give them the specs, you've got four months to get products. So really, you're going to you're going to take a deep breath right after Christmas and then you better have something ready. Because yeah. otherwise, it's not going to be ready for the end of July.
1: Right. Yeah, and fortunately, Origins did move their date for 2015, you know, into June. Correct. Um, Early June. That's the July 3, or excuse me, June 3 through 7. So, you know, that separation between conventions is still pretty close. The number of weeks is pretty close. Correct. think it was a
0: week. You know, I got to say, I think Origins is a lot more sensitive about that than Gen Con because I think Origins knows they're everybody's second game convention of of the summer in terms of, you know, who's going to what.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, why why I tend to agree with you on that. It's still. A targeted product release point. Um, a lot of people do try to get stuff available for Origins. And they, they, they may be the B team, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still the summer releases, and you know, you might with their target date now being early June. That's your early summer releases.
0: True, and and honestly, for the war games, really, there's no other, there's no other visibility. Um, and, I mean, that, that's going to be the most visibility you get is at Origins uh, for a lot yeah. of
1: the war game companies. What, what I'm really interested to see how all these play is how close to some of these dates run to um, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Chicago Wizards uh, Pride I, Comic. I, I knew I um, should have
0: cross-referenced that with Comic-Con. Pax, yeah.
1: Prime, all of the, the, the other big conventions that are a lot of electronic-based stuff that people are in attendance to now. Um, right. I mean, electronic media base, I should say.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Comic Con, having become the singular event that it has, uh, is, is going to run roughshod on a lot of geek summers uh, if they, you know, if the dates collide at all. Um, anyways, like I said, I think it's interesting to know. Like, Gen Con is a business, and it's it's a business that that struggled for a little while, and it's it has done it has bounced back. I would say better than than most of the industry. Uh, certainly better than I expected. How's that? Um, but uh, but it's interesting to see the the fiddleness. The fiddle. What am I looking for here, Red? That, I'm not sure. The, the fiddling with the dates. Fiddling right? with it's, the dates. Uh, okay. in, in the distance between the conventions. Tweaking. Like you said, tweaking. Yes, the tweaking, tweaking of the dates. Tweaking the dates. Like I said, with being in Indy, like <laughs> I said, when there's a race uh, at the Indianapolis uh, Speedway, it, it really bounces Gen Con all over. Uh, the the Colts games don't matter so much, but the Indianapolis uh, uh, Motor Speedway is just huge. And I mean, it, it brings some like two hundred
1: thousand people. I mean, it's it, and, and it brings them in for a long time. It's yeah, you know, with the with the Colts game, you know, we're still talking preseason. Um, with the national game that they have, the state, uh, be, uh excuse me, football championship, which we had one year, mm-hmm. uh, and was at the same time as uh, Gen Con. Uh, why brought in a lot of people? Um, they don't stay and it's not like an overnight thing. And it's not certainly not multi overnight thing the way the brickyard is. Correct.
0: Yeah. And like you said, and that's a huge thing. And that's the, that's the 800 pound gorilla that Gen Con has to schedule around. Right. So, uh, by the way, speaking of staying places, I did actually just get an email from a friend asking me for a uh, recommendation on places to stay in Indianapolis next week.
1: Uh, did they know about the convention, or were they trying to they're, make an no, attendance at the convention?
0: They're attending. They just weren't sure when their son's swim meet was, so they, they hadn't made any plans.
1: Um, you know, you can still stay in the area. You just have to be willing to commute.
0: Yeah, I, that's you what know, I told them. You can't I, be I think, in
1: walking distance. You're going to have to drive in.
0: Well, you can stay walking distance. You're just not going to get the convention rate, right and you're going to spend $290 a night. Well, there is that possibility, too. And a lot of those even aren't available. So. Uh, most most likely. But I, I recommended the airport. And I, I have one friend, actually, from uh, from Grand Rapids who is camping. He's coming down Saturday. They're going to camp out. And then they're going to go to family day on Sunday, he and his, he and his family. I don't know that I'd want to camp and go to Gen Con.
1: You know, I don't see it necessarily a bad thing if you were into the camping aspect to start with. Uh, and they're terrible. only doing one day.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, one day of camping I think I could do. I, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a lot of work. So, yes. As yeah, I mean, far you know, out as Gen Con is planning... There's nowhere
1: to plug in the <laughs> uh,
0: Direct the hate mail to Mr. Rhett <laughs> Kip <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. My idea of camping, and my wife's idea of camping kind of different.
0: That's right. I just said elves are for <laughs> our sissies. I didn't, uh, I w- I'm not going to tread on the hair thing. All right. Hey, let's move on from Gen Con. Uh, we got some great listener mail this week. We're not going to be able to go through all of it. Um, I did want to go through part of a letter from Mr. Dan Jensen. And. This is from Dan and it touches a little bit on the topic we were talking about of expected value with the box sizes and things like that. But he kind of uh, takes it to a place we hadn't gone with it. So let's talk about it. He says, I'd like to propose a topic for the show that I think would be really interesting to talk about. And that topic is expected value. Uh, you touch on this a little bit here and there. Um, I would like to, uh, uh, excuse me, for instance, What would it do for my RPG book if I chose color pictures or black and white? Hardcover versus softcover, a printed version versus a PDF. And this is what Rhett and I really want to talk about is the PDFs. Also, the whole PDF market seems very odd to me. Some books are very expensive while some are not, and there appears to not really be that much difference. The only one I can find is that it, if it is a big-name RPG, the PDF books tend to be more close to the printed books in price. Is this because they do not want to devalue their printed books, or is there some other reason?
1: Brett? Well, uh let's start with the bottom and go up. Uh, uh, the pricing. Uh, pricing I think again depends on what you're talking about. I'm talking about RPGs. Yeah, the big companies don't want to devalue the value, the their product. Um, they don't want you to go out and buy a, a you know a ten dollar electronic version of a fifty dollar game um, because it does devalue a fifty dollar printed version of it. Uh, and additionally, they know they can get the higher price. Uh, and it's a choice. It's a business choice. Um, right. While there might be supplements out there that do get a better discount. Um, you know some companies right. look at the idea that 90 plus percentage of their customers who buy an electronic version will buy a hard copy version of it rather than charge full value, maybe they charge half. Great.
0: And the uh, I think another thing to look at here too is a professionally produced RPG book. Is going the the production cost, right? The printing cost of that product is not it is a substantial fraction of the cost. It is not, however, the lion's share of the cost. Correct. The production the the art and the writing and the production that goes into producing even a PDF, right? Which I mean, because basically what we're doing with the PDF is we're taking the you know, Adobe InDesign or whatever the the tool our tool is and porting it to PDF instead of plating it for print. But uh, that production takes a lot of effort and there has to be a return on that. When you buy a $7 PDF, all right, that, um, from a company you've never heard of, it might be really good. It's probably in it. It might not, it might even be in color, but chances are they're doing that. I don't want to say out of a garage that, that, do, but chances are that it is professional as it looks. It's not a company where they're trying to. This is their sole source of income, and so that's what the, it makes it much easier to discount your time as a as a producer of these games uh, to get the to get games out there and and offer them at a lower price.
1: Right, and you know if we're talking a core book, a core book probably is taking two or three years uh, to come to fruition, and you know that's a lot of hidden costs that people don't see. It's not just art. Um, you know, you paid a production group uh, years of salaries before there's a product on the market for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, you've got an enormous investment in artwork. Um, if you're talking a color product, you know, there's the cost of the cover, which is substantially higher than any of the interior art. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's a lot of interior art. And again, if it's in color, it's a it's a large cost that people just don't see, and the only thing that actually has probably more art cost than it is carts, you know yeah. because it really would depend on your page count and how much art you're using in the page count there but yeah. a three hundred page rule book um my guess is that if you're doing all color uh you probably you might have a little black and white art, maybe twenty percent of your book if you've gone that far, but generally speaking. 60 illustrations, 50 yeah. to 60 illustrations. Yeah, there was a time um, there was a time. It's a lot of when, money.
0: Yeah, well, there was a time when a flagship RPG would have a color cover and nothing but black and white inside. Correct. And, Rhett, you and I remember uh what I can't even remember the name of the RPG. They, like, went under, like, after the second printing. Or at least it disappeared with everyone's money after the second printing. It was one of the first books we'd seen that was full color. And this was in the early this was in the mid 90s okay um but the whole book was gloss color cover to cover it was gorgeous blew through the first printing and uh and then they the second printing was all in black and white and then they all disappeared uh but it was <laughs> i remembered because I, everyone was standing around the office ooing and eyeing over this book that was 100 percent color That wasn't and, dune was it no, was it? It wasn't a name. It wasn't a licensed name. I want to say Blue Planet, but it was not Blue Planet. Don't. Get yeah, it. yeah.
1: Uh, Blue Planet. I want to say there the might product, have. Yeah, there was yeah a, I understand I what think we're there was, saying. Yeah, which is
0: yeah. I mean, but it, it, it. Anyways, ever since then, that that ball has been rolling uh, since the mid '90s. That you need to have color in your product, and yeah. so this gets back to our expected value on should my RPG book be color or black and white hardcover versus softcover for a. Second tier company, right? You can do soft cover, but you're still going to have to have a lot of color. It's gotten to that point, I think, where soft cover is more acceptable. Although hardcover, I've seen, I understand, has gotten a ton cheaper uh, when people have done it in China.
1: Well, and and you know, there are some companies like Palladium, for example, who continue to publish soft bound editions. Only cover, only cover is the only color is the cover, right? Um, regular stuff is all black and white on in the interior.
0: Uh, I don't want to do not quite late well, in, but are
1: yeah. I think to themselves, I don't really think that that's an expanding market in the same sense as yeah, I would the say people b- who are pushing the boundaries, the, the fantasy flight people, the GW people, um, you know, GW comes out with a new miniatures rule book at $75 much um, yeah. a ton. Um, yeah.
0: No, I think palladium palladium is is probably the the best example of good, quote-unquote, old-school design out there where you've got a great-looking cover, and the interior art, it's all black and white, but it's all very well laid out. The the interior art is black and white, but it's still good art, and it's a very solid product.
1: Yeah, it's a very high-end product.
0: Well, I won't call it very high-end because I don't think you're going to be able to charge $75 for a palladium rulebook because of that.
1: No, but it's a uh, within the realm of what it's doing, which yeah. is like we say a classic RPG look—a black and white interior. Um, it it really is as good as that product line typically gets. Yes, um, you know they they haven't let down on their on their art. It's not like they have cheap art or anything like that. They have really high quality products. They do, but in terms of expected value,
0: right? You're going to pick up a softcover Palladium book that's got the color cover and the black and white interior, and you're—it's not a product that you're going to spend as much money on as if it were uh, a glossy, you know, cover, you know, or excuse me, glossy art all the way through.
1: Yeah, I was going to say if you pick up a, you know, a full color hardcover, brand new RPG, be it a new edition, be it a brand lo- brand new launch, whichever. Um, you're probably going to be sitting there in, with an anticipated price of forty to fifty dollars, and when you pick up that same same type of thing, softbound black and white, uh, your customer base is going to be looking to pay under thirty, and typically like around twenty-five.
0: Yeah, and that's the, the the tradeoff that you have to make as a manufacturer is what's my cost to produce black and white, knowing that I'm I'm going to be able to charge a lot less money for it. What's my cost to print color? Yeah. Um. And generally, we always used to say the printing business color costs five times as much and makes twenty times the impact. I I don't, won't know that that's a good rule of thumb necessarily in terms of the cost. Uh. But it does it doesn't really overstate the impact between um between black and white color in terms of hardcover versus softcover. I'd say right that that's that's when you get over fifty dollars anymore. I think people are starting to look for the hardcover. It's become fairly Standard. Oh, I don't
1: think I don't think that you could do a book nowadays at you know at forty dollars and not be co- hardcover. Really? You could certainly push it at the upper end for, for you know in the thirty five dollar range in soft cover. We see those. Um, we see Privateer um, not for their RPG but for their miniatures stuff come out with you know thirty five dollar softbound editions. Um, again, though, all all interior color. Um, you know, So you're you're paying for that, and it's normally like about a $10 price difference between a hardcover and a softbound edition of the same book um, because there are, they're one of the few people I can use it as an example who I know on virtually every book they produce for their game, there's a softbound edition, there's a hardcover edition, and there's a $10 difference between the two. Oh, well, there you go. So, uh, Dan, if
0: you're at Gen Con, you can walk through the privateer booth and compare see if it's worth that So, because privateers apparently put a price on it. 10 bucks It's hardcover, softcover. Yeah. soft cover. Uh, but since they're both color, both interiors are the same, you'll have to use your own judgment on, on the black, and white versus color. I'm, I'm not a huge color on the interior person, but then I grew up playing games with the world's most atrocious art
1: on the interior. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to, I have to say that I, I completely understand that. You know, I, you know, I would like my, my first RPG. Um, the artwork probably could be drawn by virtually everyone now because of computers. Well, um,
0: how many games did you have where the art, where there were obviously art, well, there was obviously art in there that was done with a ballpoint pen? I had ab- it,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I had at least were, one. You know, they were very simple sketches, and I would and like not to yeah go by ahead. anybody important. And that's <laughs> another thing you know that you have to say. Um, there's been a couple of companies that we've seen over the years who've latched onto an artist. Prior to them making a big name for themselves and being able to afford some amazingly good looking interior art, both black and white and color, but primarily in this case, black and white, where, you know, they're getting it on the cheap yeah, um, compared to the quality that, you know, so that when people see it. Their consumers are actually knocked over by it, and we talked about the question here that we' really we're talking about is what's the perceived value, and the perceived value again comes down to you know if you have a board game, there's that odd heft concept behind it. you know when right. you lift up a game and you paid forty dollars for it, um it better have some decent math to it. You pay a hundred dollars for it, and it better have a whole lot of maybe be bulkier. Or heavier, or something—it's got to impact you in a in a way that you know. You look at a forty-dollar game, and you look at a hundred-dollar game. And you don't say, "Huh, why is that the case?" You know, because right. the, the size of the box is the same, the mass of the box is the yeah, same. Yeah, you don't
0: necessarily that expect it to be a two and a half times better as a game, but you you expect there to be at least two and a half times better components,
1: right? You're you're looking you're looking for some other big yes. splash on those levels, but with RPGs, um, and it is visceral. I mean you know that is one of the big things is that um you know gamers look at things and like people who you know who bought books over the years um the cover's critical the cover has always been critical because they have to get you to grab that book and look at it in some way uh, and that's the first thing they can do that is the is the visuals you know so the box art
0: right or the, and then
1: or the book cover
0: yeah and then the rest of it is uh an exercise in world building drawing people in you know on your with your interior art. Um, so all right. I think we're done.
1: That's
0: uh, I mean we could go on and on being you and I we could go on for another hour but uh, yes, Dana, I, I think that we, I think we, that we covers your topic. Well
1: I can only well yeah you're right we could only go on for another hour but I, I I can't go on as long as we might because you know in less than a week I will be at Gen Con.
0: That's right. When when are you leaving? Are you leaving this weekend? Uh, I'm
1: leaving Monday. Okay. I'll leave Monday, Monday afternoon.
0: Gotcha. So, yeah, I'm going to follow on on Wednesday. So,
1: I don't have any booths to set up, though, so I'm all set. I only have a giant one. It's not even the biggest one in the hall. You know, it's it's a nice-sized booth.
0: Filled to the rafters with junk. Last time I had to
1: help you put it up. There, there it, it is certainly filled to the rafters, and... Uh, but, uh, and hopefully you know now that Gen Con has changed the rules there are holes so you can see through to see beyond us filled to the rafters because I, I will go that route if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they'll well, let me build my booth 90 feet with you know nothing but product that will be 90 feet of product That'd that's be awesome. pretty
0: cool I just want I just want to see the guy who has to go up top to get the get the product
1: got to go up on top you just pull it from the bottom and pray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On that note, Rhett, how can other people contact us to send us amazing emails and questions like Mr.
1: Dan Jensen has? Well, oh, you can contact us at, and now we're going to pause, because you didn't post it.
0: You, you've, you've blown the myth <laughs> of, uh, it's, of an old one. It's in, uh, well, I had it in the notes, but
1: it's not in the notes. It's, it's in my notes. In
0: notes. You Go know, ahead. folks, just so you know, this is our 66th. Paper Money Podcast. Rhett still has not memorized our email address. I
1: couldn't give you a clue as to what my email address is. I'm lucky if I can tell you what my email well, address folks, is. Well, folks,
0: if you'd like to send your resume and curriculum vitae to replace Mr. Rhett Kemp, send that email to <laughs> paper-money at purplepawn.com. You and- can check us out on Skype at papermoneypodcast, and our RSS feed is purplepawn.com slash category slash papermoney slash feed. And that said... <laughs> I'm sorry, Red. Did I steal your thunder?
1: Oh no, 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 no. I, I love it. Oh. <laughs> well, the now
0: I would normally after this we talk about upcoming stuff, but we have Gen Con coming next week. And frankly we have Gen Con coming next
1: week. And there's gonna be so much new stuff. Um, you know, I could start a list now. I, I could start a list of the things I know will be at Gen Con, you know. Uh what we will be talking about next time is what we saw at Gen Con.
0: Well, you know what's funny though is the next show is, is due in around uh Labor Day or just after. By which time everyone will have heard what came out of Gen Con. So hopefully we'll we'll come we'll, folks we'll come up with a cool spin on it.
1: We'll come up with a we'll come up with our take on, you know, what was really neat and why it was really neat and everything else. And who knows, maybe I'll even be broadcasting from Seattle this time as opposed to here in bright sunny Chicago.
0: Ooh. That, wow. A technical challenge. We like those around here.
1: A technical challenge. Well it depends on if I ha- if, if I'm at Pax Prime or if I'm not. Okay. So,
0: well, on that mysterious note, we're going to leave so that we can go and start packing for Gen Con. Well, I'm Red Kim, and I'm Ben Clark.